I was able to like get out of that comfort zone where it was like, no, a specialty coffee could be made into this beautiful, you know, like Cuban culture. Sure. It can they can mix together. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bad coffee into Cuban coffee. Welcome to the next episode of Pancom Podcast, a continuation of the edgy NPR show, Coffee Talk. NPR Coffee. The Coffee Club. The Coffee Club. Well, we're here today with Coffee Maven herself. Sandra, please say your last name because I don't want to butcher it. Wally Maki. Oh, man. Wally Maki. Wally Maki. That is the most eccentric last name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, Mike. This is awesome because it's the first time we've gone from podcast to podcast. And I'm excited because I finally made it. Yeah. I'm sitting oh, in front of you. Oh, Look at man. you. I made this, it, guys. This podcast is really not that big of a deal, but thanks for saying that anyways. I made it. It's a big deal. <laughs> Producer, what's up? Uh, I'm Nick Jimenez, and we are joined by chef and chili cook-off champion Michael Woo! Beltran and his gold tooth cap, which is a big deal. <laughs> this is There's a lot of firsts on this episode of Pancom Podcast. This is the first time he wears that thing on the podcast. Mike has gone off to refresh something. Um, so, gold tooth making coffee. That's at right. At the table. That's right. Wow. So, so we've just come off of recording uh, an interview that you were conducting. Now the tables have turned. Uh, a little bit. But an yeah. interview that you were doing for NPR's Coffee Club. Yes. Um, now we're going to do all the hard-hitting questions. And now, yeah, now is when things get crazy Ooh. around here. Uh, it's going to get real out of control. Get, that's going to get really uh, hard next to I that stove. <laughs> I guess we're done making coffee. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah. I, uh, Sandra, why, why don't you just kind of. Fill the people in on who you are and what you do. Uh, because I already we, said who she is. She's the coffee maven of counterculture coffee. But you can Miami. get more specific about what that even means. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, that's on Mike's, like, way to describe who I am. Uh, yeah, but, like, I am uh, the regional educator for counterculture coffee here in South Florida. Uh, Sorry. My bad. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> cigar, cigar smoke. I'm a savage. I was like, at least made me coffee. I <laughs> Yeah, now we get real edgy. Uh, but I know, so I've been in Miami for what, like three and a half years now? And I met you, what, over a year, two years ago, two maybe? Years ago. Two years ago? Wow, yeah. time flies. I know, I know. Wow. Well, you know, it took me three months to open Chugs, and then Chugs has been open already for 15 months. It was, it's been, it's gone longer it's gone because longer. of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, like the birthday passed, I didn't mm -hmm. even notice, and then, you know, we're supposed to stop. Anyways. It's been like 18 months now since I met you, and I, I had met James before, um, but I remember when I was talking about like the whole like coffee thing, and you know who led me in your direction? Who led you in Mike our Ortiz. direction? Of course. Mike Ortiz. I from, love that uh, guy. Jojo, Jojo T. I had, you know, Mike is one of my dear friends, mm -hmm. and he's uh, crazy, and I love him, and we we're having a conversation one day about like the concept and i was talking to him about like you know what i wanted to do and these things and i was like what if we just did like regular coffee you know like nothing fancy no third wave stuff and he was like what if i and i told him i was like what if i don't even carry your tea like it doesn't even matter i don't even need to carry your tea you know we just make it obviously he got offended but 
it wasn't that he got offended. He went, he, you know, he started to wax poetic about mm-hmm. like um, where things come from, why you do certain things, you know, apart from it just tasting better, it being sustainable or organic or whatever it may be. Um, just like there is a certain uh, morality and like uh, just like better ethics in some coffee culture and some tea culture in comparison to others. And that's really what led me to your direction. Mm-hmm. I also, and you know, because everyone asked me a million times, like, why, why wouldn't I carry Panther Coffee? And I'll, I'm 100% honest about it. I love Panther Coffee. I think that they're amazing. I think that they do great work. They're just across the street. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. have made much sense for me to carry Panther Coffee across from Panther Coffee. So that's what led me to you guys. And then I started, I think the, the biggest struggle always is when you tell someone, like what we just mentioned, like, hey, I'm going to do Cuban coffee, but I want to use your fancy coffee. Yeah. And then they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but I can. But that's what's going to happen. Totally. Yeah. And so, um, and that was the birth of our friendship. Yeah. Friendship. I love it. Uh, Yeah. I remember like the idea, you know, like brought to me by my colleague, like James and I was terrified, like I said earlier, you know, I was a little terrified because I was like, this is totally out of like, not my comfort zone, but again, you know, like as coffee professionals, we're always like, at a stock to sometimes our own way, we like our coffee certain way, we're also coffee educators, you know, and a Cuban diner in a Cuban coffee menu, I was like, what? What do you mean? So, no. No. First of all, I did not say no. I was like, you know what? All right. I'm up for this challenge. Let's right. do this. Let's let's make this happen. Yeah. And we're here, you know, like drinking what well, we were drinking. We were drinking you know, Cuban coffee, yeah. Some Cuban coffee, one like the famous Espumita. Yes. From Chuck's. Uh, and I loved it. You know, I, I really like love the challenge. I really love like the fact that I was able to like, get out of that comfort zone where it was like, no, a specialty coffee could be made into this beautiful, you know, like Cuban culture. Sure. It can, they can mix together. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bad coffee into Cuban coffee. Wow. This is good. Nick, what are we smoking? This episode is brought to you by Aganorsa Leaf. They're the makers of excellent cigars that stand out because of the distinctive flavors of their own Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. Mike, what are we smoking right now? Wow. This is... Oh, you took your band off. Aganorsa Leaf Nicaragua, which, so uh, we recently came into possession of several different Aganorsa cigars. We did. But this is the first time that we smoke this particular blend together. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. And I think that it pairs- I would smoke it again. I think it pairs well with like something heavy like this. Like the pizza we just ate. Like the pizza we just ate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for for those of you who are novice smokers, you don't want to go like some light- Connecticut thing, right? You know, if you're gonna eat something super heavy like a big steak, or I've been smoking Chicago the, pizza. the Connecticut, the Connecticut you gave me, right? Yeah, yeah. Which they're delicious. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, so the Agonorsa portfolio of cigars includes, aside from what we're smoking right now, JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, and Casa Fernandez cigars. Uh, Agonorsa, which was founded by Eduardo Fernandez, fun fact, co-founder of Telepizza, the uh, European-born pizza chain. 
has manufacturing in Esteli, Nicaragua, and Miami, where they make, among other blends, the Casa Fernandez Miami Aniversario. It's Aganorsa's ultra-premium line. Big fan of that cigar as well. Blended for optimal performance in specific sizes, including a box-pressed Lancero. Aniversario is both bunched and rolled by hand in Miami by master Cuban rollers using only that Aganorsa leaf tobacco that we mentioned earlier, including Aganorsa's own Corojo 99 wrapper. The cigars are complex, rich, and full-bodied. You like my cigar? Full-bodied. Tremendo body. Oh, baby. <laughs> Tremendo body. That's a great name for a cigar. Tremendo body. Tremendo body. Uh, perfect for the experienced smoker to celebrate those special moments in life, like, for instance, your first deep dish or stuffed Chicago pizza. Exactly. Only great leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa leaf. Aganorsa leaf. Aganorsa leaf. I hear it's more effective if you say it three times. Uh, it's a good leaf. <laughs> Nick wants to say something. Oh, I was going to say, at the risk, it's going to feel like you're repeating yourself, but they're two different things. Let's talk about the Epumita that you were referencing, because people who are listening to this yeah. might not have heard the whole thing. Right, because they, they weren't on the edgier NPR um, counterculture show. Which they which they should be. The, they should. The, the coffee club. Coffee club. Go yes. join the coffee club, but yeah. also listen to this. <laughs> be talking about the same thing oh uh, it's gonna be over oh, and over this again is great no yeah it's just vodka life we'll talk about the this espuma the famous cup. espuma um so cuban coffee when you brew, brew cuban coffee and the way that like we all grow up drink coffee is in the cafeteria as soon as the first little bit of coffee comes out i mean my grandparents they, they literally have like a like the not one of those but it's it's probably about this big and it's just like a metal cup and that's how they've always made their coffee and they put two teaspoons of sugar in there first little bit of coffee comes out and then they just start to whisk it and then it makes this like frothy like you know it's like almost like a coffee sugar syrup Mm -hmm. essentially so at chugs we did a lot of research and we came across that place that i was telling you before about barbuca yeah that they made large vats of that Mm -hmm. and they had their own kind of like coffee to sugar ratio thing so we came up with our own and this is kind of what we have. So it's for several reasons. Yeah. One, for consistency. Yeah. Two, for um, for like restaurant ready. You know, like if you're trying to do uh, a cafecito and you're trying to do it like 500 times and you have to make that espuma every time, that's that's tough. So in the world of consistency, we came up with this. And it's like kind of taken on its like its whole, whole new world. This is actually the final version of it. Because the like before we used to just whisk it with a whisk or we did it with a spoon to mimic um, kind of like that home coffee making. Yeah. But this one is a larger batch that I did in a KitchenAid. Yeah. So like I, I whisked it all together till it was like very frothy and it was more like one thing than two. So good. Yeah. So, so good. And I know this was very hard for coffee people to accept. I accept it. Good. I like it. that. I drink it. I had one last week. Good. I just had one right now. Yeah. I'm all about this whole espumita situation. But I really love it. You sure. know, I really love like mixing those two cultures, you know, and like, I think you made it right. You turned this coffee professional into. <laughs> we did it. Nick, you we did, did it. it. <laughs> we did it. What do we do? I Don't worry about it. <laughs> but we did it. You turned me into like, okay, I drink my coffee with sugar. But you, you know, know and it's let's delicious. T- it's a bunch of firsts. Like today, you brought this coffee. What is this called? So this is uh, Edido. 
uh-huh. from Jurgoshev, like Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So it's a co-op in Jurgoshev. So Kana Culture has been like purchasing that coffee since I believe 2011. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a like a co-op that about or probably like over 1,000 like uh, like farmers. Wow. You know so. But to me, this coffee is like every time it comes out, it's on the staple for a lot of us. You know, it's like it is definitely in the you know the the famous what do they call it the famous hall of the hall of fame hall of fame hall of fame. fame. God, I'm here to help. Thank you. I appreciate English is not the first language. If you you should start speaking Sandra. Oh, good. Yeah. Because then you totally will understand what I'm saying. I'm with it. Yeah. I understand yeah. everything that's happening yeah. thus far. I love it. If we ever so get good. to a point, we'll, we'll we'll pause and we'll cut it out so I make sure <laughs> I understand. But uh, every time it comes out, it's delicious. We look for it. We want it. We drink it. Uh, I was excited that it came out, you know, again. It was released again, you know, yeah. like a few weeks ago. And that's what I've been drinking every day. So, so talking about first, when we were talking, when you first got here, I was talking about like, yeah, you know, like when I grind coffee for a cafetera, I grind mm. it super fine. But I've always grounded super fine because that's how, like, growing up, that's the coffee out of a bag. That's what I was used to. So I was like, you have to, like, really press it in there. Yeah. And you were like, no, let's not do that. Let's do it more coarse. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's just do it more coarse. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's first for everyone. So that's the best coffee I've ever seen come out of a cafetera in my life. You made it. Isn't it great? I didn't do anything. You did it all. I did nothing. It does all the work for you. You literally do nothing. You put... Coffee in the middle, water on the bottom, and you turn it on. Like, you do nothing here. And it was really all about the grind. It was like that it was much more of a coarse grind. So, Mm. literally, when you see the coffee coming out of the cafetera, it's much, it's much, the Mm. clarity is incredible. Yeah. And I was saying, like, Cuban coffee, it's, like, always, like, muddy, you know? And whatever. Like, I grew up loving it, and I still love it. But that's what you get. So, when I saw that, not even 10 minutes ago, I was like, what the fuck? This is wild. (laughs) And it's, it's just like a simple thing, right? And it's just all about like continuing to learn. Yeah. It's, I mean, like it goes, it goes back to like, I would have not got to that discovery of like adjusting the grind size on the regular cafetera will make a big difference in flavor, you right. know, because obviously we're coffee educators and whatever. And we're always like thinking about like ratios and like temperatures and like water and all those different things that grind size and whatever right everything like goes into consideration but in a cafetera i can't control that yeah i you give me certain amount of coffee that i need to fit in into this basket certain amount of water that needs to be fit in the basket and i'm like i can't control the heat because water just needs to boil so i'm like okay well what's the only variable that i can kind of play around and through my discoveries after you pushed me to like learn how to make like Cuban coffee. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Now you're drinking yeah. great coffee too. <laughs> and it was like adjusting the grind size. Amazing. You know, in that case, like we don't like scorching the coffees, you know, like water has a little bit more like difficulty, like extracting, you know, mm-hmm. but it's still extracting enough. Sure. And you still get some great flavors, you know, of the coffee. So it was delicious. Let's veer away from the present. Let's talk about the past. You've only been in Miami for three and a half years? Three and a half years, yeah. Where are you from? Where were you? And how did you get here? How do I get here? Yeah. Uh, originally from Peru. So I was raised in the land of ceviche. Sorry. Dreadful. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> and lomos saltados. Oh, so uh, you're in the land of great and food. And the land of that. So I was born there. I, yeah, I was there until I was 
19 after college and then i end up in seattle washington makes sense now so <laughs> everything now makes sense <laughs> but my coffee like or like the passion that i had about coffee or even just like the culture that was like impregnated in me it started very young oh, you really? know so seattle didn't make sense at that time but which was great. I was so grateful to live in there. And then from Seattle, I ended up moving to New York. Oh. And then to... What years are this? What years are you, are you in Seattle? And what years I are you in I was in York? Seattle like in 2004, four or five. Yeah. And then I moved into New York uh, 2010. 2010. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then I was there for like a little bit and then and then moving to Connecticut. Whoa. So the backyard of New York City. So I was working in the city, kind of commuting from uh, Stanford, Connecticut, like that area, to New York. And I was there until I moved to Miami, which I moved to Miami in the beginning of 2017. Wow. And what brought me here was kind of culture coffee. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Follow, I follow them through everything. When you were in uh, Seattle, mm -hmm. what were you doing? And coffee. Coffee, but not yeah. with counterculture. Not with counterculture. When did you start with counterculture? Uh, in 2017. Oh, okay. March of 2017. Oh, so th yeah. that was the job, like you, mm -hmm. this was new and it brought you it here. It was so new. Oh, cool. Yeah. So what were you doing with coffee in Seattle and then to New York? Ooh. Yeah, so I started, um, you know, I started barista. So like I did some barista in lima you know where i'm from that's kind of like side like when i was going to college what's the coffee culture like there it, i mean coffee grows like we drink coffee right. and some of the best coffee probably i have tried this past years especially are from peru oh, so really? we drink coffee uh, actually my my grandmother was a coffee farmer Amazing. So I was always like close to coffee, you know, if he was just like drinking, you know, so whatever. But like when I went to college, I um, I decided to have the side job. So I went into a coffee shop, like a local coffee shop in Lima, in Miraflores. And that's how I started. So I started working in there. I got into roasting with like roasting looks like completely different, obviously, now than what I used to do there. Sure. Like I'm like. Definitely, that was not roasting. Yeah. But I call it like that. Yeah, yeah. And coffees came out roasted. Yeah. So, but there was no science or like all those different Very things. scientific now. Very scientific. Bunch of people standing around a big machine that's making a lot of noise that are sipping little bits of coffee that I'm surprised how they aren't jumping off the walls. It's crazy. Yeah. I That's a craft that I'm just like, nope. Yeah, yeah. I leave it to the experts, yeah. you know. Um but then from there, after college, I traveled a little bit and then moved to Seattle. That's kind of where I have family. And so the first thing that I did, I was like, okay, well, I need a job, right? What am I going to do? What do I know? Coffee. And obviously, Seattle being like the the heart of coffee culture, especially in those years, too. Those so, were like the, the honest years of it, I guess, right? The coffee oh, culture that in was, Seattle. That, that was, like, was, yeah. But wait, okay. Just... So, like, Starbucks is, like, the evil empire of coffee? We don't call it evil. Nobody's evil. Nick is very against me using that term, Nobody's too. evil. Okay. So, what are they? So, we call it... Uh, so, they're, like... You mentioned that earlier, right? So, the there's, like, the first wave. Yeah. The big three, right? Isn't <laughs> and it like, there's the second wave. Right. 
and there's the third way. Obviously, uh-huh. you know, like the way I always said it about like Starbucks or is like we are in this position right now because they open. They sure. introduced, Agreed. you know, like this culture to America, you yeah. know. So thank you for that. Right. Yeah. Thanks. So they're not evil. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I don't know. There's Starbucks uh, in every three blocks right now. So it is crazy, though. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the third way movement started, you know, where this whole like it started with kind of culture being one of those and then in combination with um intelligence yeah and stumptown coffee roaster yeah yeah so it was kind of i don't know if i've ever had stumptown coffee to be honest maybe i like i i I don't recall intelligentsia i've had several times yeah yeah um, so they're in that first wave a little bit yeah remind me it's like Mm -hmm. starbucks Folgers and like Maxwell House, no. isn't that like the three like big in the first wave? It Starbucks becomes like the second wave. Oh yeah, because that semi-automatic machines start coming out. You know, that's when we kind of change like barista culture more into like right. Let's have this equipment. Oh yeah, that's uh, another story I want to get yeah. into. I don't know that. I no, never the, worked for Starbucks. <laughs> no, there's an no, there's an equipment story. I remember just the equipment story. Yeah, um, going back to when we were opening up Chugs, and yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, this is the machine that we're gonna get. Because this is the only machine that yeah, I can get. For and sure. And then your colleague, which I, I love dearly, was like, no, but you can't use that machine. I'm like, this is the machine we're going to use. So we don't have any choice. The way that he – so this is what it works, right? He came back and he was like, can you make good coffee there? And I'm like, I'm going to try. Yeah. That's all it is. It's all about like – like for us, it's like not the hard no, <clears throat> but it's kind of like let's make it work. You yeah. know, like, let's make it work. If this equipment does, you know, like – I can execute, like, a good coffee. Like, same as what we're doing right now, right? right? A cafetera can make great coffee. Sure. Most people don't consider that. We just made great coffee. We just made great coffee. We did, we did. So, why not an espresso machine that maybe is not, like, the newest model, you know? Like, I don't even remember whatever. what. I think it was because of the power that the machine had. It was the power. Yeah. It was the power yeah. that the machine It had. was the power. But in true, uh, in true food and beverage yeah. spirit. We made it. We made it work. We made it work. We made it work. Yes. And again, challenge number two: that equipment was. <laughs> yeah, that was. A I challenge. was like, "Here is what you have. Make it work." And I'm like, "Oh Lord!" Like, I, I remember too. What? When? Because uh, again, Chugs was a pop up. I literally put it together in 75 days, and it was Serious. like. So I brought in an electrician. I'm like, "All right, I need this to be ready for a coffee machine." And they were like, "No, we can't do it." I'm like, "No, you're gonna have to make it work. This is what the only place that the coffee machine fits. Yeah, this is the only space. Tiny. That, yeah, this is the only space that it fits. So it was like trying to figure out how to even get power to that wall. Yeah. And then the week that we opened, then it kept on tripping everything else oh. back there. It was just like such a because then next to it, remember we had the orange juice machine. Oh yes, yes. And it was like, oh man, what a train wreck! But it's a pop up, so it was like we're just trying to make it fit. You yeah, know? it worked. It still it works. It, it still, still trips. Works. It still trips. It works. It, it makes trips. good coffee. It does. It makes great coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but it, that's kind of like where were we? like a Starbucks. Yeah. So and then the third wave started right with those like three uh, like roasteries. You know, like kind of just redefine what coffee culture wants like sourcing coffees that are sort of like very high like quality you know like normally like a specialty coffee right when we talk about a specialty coffee is like considered to be like 80 points and higher right okay. so for this coffee to be considered a specialty it has to score right higher so 
that's kind of the back of the story. But um, yeah, so and then I was in Seattle for like a little bit, moving to New York. I was uh, working again for like a local coffee shop over there and then moving to Connecticut. In Connecticut, I uh, again work at a small coffee shop that they were just starting. It was the first one in that neighborhood that um, that were serving specialty coffee, and they actually were serving kind of culture coffee. Oh yeah. So that was kind of my go-to place. Couple glasses. Couple glasses of water. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of my go-to place to just get coffee on the weekends when I didn't have to go into the city, right? Right. So I started getting to know, like, the baristas, you know, because, again, like, we're coffee people and we're also culture people. We like to go into places. We sit at the bar. We like to talk to the baristas, blah, 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 like, build that community. And one day the owner was like, hey, like, where do you work? And I was like, I actually work at a stamp town in New York. And they were like, oh, okay. So the conversation still happening. And then later on, I was like, why am I still going to the city? I was right. like, this place is great, yeah. you know? So I ended up like working as a barista there too. And then later on, moving to management, um, opening a few other locations for them. Cool. Um, we got into like wholesale too. So into roasting at that time. But like roasting for me at that time was like, let's pack some coffee beans. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like the real this is what's deal. Happening. I'm gonna pack yeah, this. yeah. No, yeah. I just got a packer. Yeah. I was the packer. Right, um, right. But it was, yeah, but Thank that you. was the place that, um, that kind of introduced me more to the coffee community, you know, in New York too, in Connecticut as well. Um, but that's when I got the first kind of like glimpse of what kind of culture was or is. Um, so, and the rest is history. So I started being that creepy person that shows up every Friday morning at their tasties at 10. You know, I, I was that, that person. And just sip some good coffee and make friends. And that was that. Let mm-hmm. me ask you, going from Peru to Seattle and then to New York and then to Connecticut, how did that culture shock feel? Was cool. it was it severe or was it like, did you like feel fine or, you know, like what was the personal impact? I think I was fine. Seattle was okay, you know, like uh, because I had family at that time. So oh, it just cool. made it slightly like easier. Um, How much family? Just a lot moved? or just a little? Just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, like my godmother was there and my two cousins and that was it. Oh, cool. um, and then New York was a little shocking, yeah. you know, because the only thing I knew about New York City was like what I see in the movies, yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that was the reality of that I had. And then when I was there, I'm like, okay, like, so this is it. Right. Uh, Connecticut was slightly the most shocking one. Yeah. 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 Why? Fairfield, Just because it was like... Connecticut. I, I've been to, I feel like I've been there because yeah. when I went to school in Virginia, I did some traveling around mm. there and I went up to Amherst and then through New York. So maybe I've been there, but um, I feel you because I feel like the biggest shock for me personally was going from a place like Miami and then going to a place like Virginia. It was just like... Miami is like high impact all the time and it's loud and, you know, there's things happening every day. And then all of a sudden it's like I moved to Virginia and it was like things were closed on Sundays and it was like just very different. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was tough. It was tough for me for a while, like the whole getting used to the quiet. Yeah. I remember it was our my first training camp for football and um we were doing the run you test. Play football? Yeah, I played football. Uh, that's why I went to Virginia. 
I, I went uh, played in high school and in college. Well, talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so it was, it was our first. It was my freshman year. We we're doing our run test, right? And so I'm on the sideline, and everyone's on the sideline or whatever, and I'm waiting for my name to be called. And we'd already been there for like a week, and I hear a couple guys behind me. I I knew nobody. I knew the, the guys who had helped recruit me, and I knew my coaches, but that was it. And I heard a couple guys, like, maybe five feet behind me, and they were like, one was like, man, you know, I think I'm going to go home, man. I just, I can't take it. It is so darn loud around here. And I'm like, I turn around, I'm like, excuse me, did you say it was loud? And he was like, yeah, it's always, there's noises everywhere. And I'm like, I, you, I, at night, I was scared to go outside. It was like, you would go outside, it was pitch black. You would hear nothing, zero things. There's no cars on the street. It's just, it felt like a ghost town. There was like five stoplights in the whole city. And I'm like, this is not loud. I want louder. It, you know, like loud to an extent, I feel like the noise of Miami has always hel- helped me sleep. Mm. So when I moved, it was like, I would stay up at night. I'd be like, that's so quiet. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I remember uh, uh, where we used to practice the field that uh, a training facility was at. There would be like deer that would like walk onto the field. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was just like, that's the kind of culture shock I experienced, you know? Apart from the social aspect of it, the social aspect was on a different level of, there he is, Mike Castillo, everyone. There he is. Good to see you too, brother. (laughs) And it was just like the, I think the, apart from the social aspect, it was just like the different environment. The food obviously was completely different. The people were completely different. It took a a while for me to kind of like adjust to my, that way. Yeah. You know, to me, that was my culture shock feeling. Yeah. To me, it was kind of similar, you know, like Connecticut is not quiet, you know, in that sense, because like most people that like work in New York City live in Connecticut. A lot of people do, you know, Uh, but it's a very wealthy, (laughs) you know, like county where I was at. So it was it was just different for me. Um, Food, obviously, was also like a big shocking, but crazy or not like i i got to like meet some really great people there yeah. that made life like so much easier in there sure. you know so like the job was good you know i had some great friends you know my best friends are from there you know that's when i met them and so it made this culture shock a little bit easier right uh and then my talk about miami then moving <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> miami's great <laughs> that's a culture shock all in, it, in and of itself no to be miami i was excited it was funny because it's like when a friend of mine that works for kind of culture uh, approached me, he was like, hey, I think they might open like a region. They might they're talking about they might opening like a region in Miami. It's kind of in the works or whatever, whatever. Right. And I'm like, oh, OK. But I, I was like, Miami. I was like, I don't know. Um, and it happened, you know, and then he was like, yeah, they're opening. They're actually going to start like looking for people if you. And I was like, I think you'll be great for the job. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's Miami. And then, like, the first thing that he said, he's like, come on. You moved from Seattle to Connecticut. Yeah. And you're scared of Miami. And I'm like, and you grew up in Peru. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Then as soon as he said that, I was like, all right. I think think I'm okay with this. Yeah. And and Miami's great. I love it. I I think it's, like, the closest (laughs) I ever felt from home, from my culture. Like, really, like embracing you know like all this different like culture that we lived in so it's amazing i learned new things like cafeteras, cafeteras you know i different learned espumita game. yeah it's a different ball game <laughs> so it's great it's yeah. pastelitos come on oh man oh it's crazy like i i 
I was so naive to think that when I left Miami, I was like, there's still going to be pastelitos and croquetas everywhere. And what a lie that was. <laughs> Man, it was just like, I think one of, the food was like socially, the, the shock for me was yeah. heavy, but the food was, I, I've, I missed our food so much. So I missed good. it. I missed the like ventanita culture. Yeah. I missed the people so much, yeah. you know, and I was in Virginia four years. Wow. And yeah, I stayed all four years. And um, I learned a lot of great lessons there, like life lessons more than anything, because I, I was a dreadful student. But, you know, learning to move to a different place, a different, basically a different culture, mm -hmm. like everything is different and being able to hold your own and really learn to live on your own, yeah. I think is like huge for your own development. So, you know, and, and my mom is like, the regular like Hispanic mom. She's like, when are you going to come home? Like, oh, mom, I'm going to be here four years. You know, like you just got to get used to that, you know? Was she like packing you like some pastelitos and shipping you to Virginia? She, they used to send me care packages too. Because yeah. my grandmother tried to smuggle some stuff oh, yeah? <laughs> from Peru. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you can't do that. Well, how was the food culture for you? Like when you moved to Seattle and New York, I mean, were you able to find that food that you felt comfortable with? Or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Seattle, I love it. I love like... I mean, the seafood that we eat there, you know, I've never it's just amazing. Oh. I've always wanted to go. I've never Seattle's been. still one of my favorite cities. The weather, the oh, weather yeah. is normally like what Miami has been for like the past two, three weeks, like yeah. rainy all the time or whatever. A hurricane every day. A hurricane every day. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's beautiful. I love it. I love cool. the culture there so much. And I love the food, um, the music, everything. That's cool. New York, obviously, everybody yeah. knows. Great. Connecticut was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Connecticut is, I think, getting getting into that like food scene, you is know. It? Yeah, yeah. There's some good, some good, some good spots out there. I think what I learned from the um, like the food, the food from Virginia really impacted me a lot because mm. it was just I learned to love it, you know. But it was a different. Where were you uh, again, eating? I mean, you know, you eat biscuits and gravy there, country fried steak, Brunswick stew, like, and I love that stuff. Man, it's like that real like stick to your ribs kind of food. <laughs> And it was like very comforting, and you know when you when you break through some of like the racial stigmas that happen like all through Virginia mm. because it's still like there's there's a lot of racism still there at least there was when I was there mm. you know and there was a lot of like I look very like white kid from suburbs whatever but as soon as I would open my mouth and people would talk to me like no nah, you're not from here yeah and then you know they would learn that I'm from Miami and then you know I was Cuban and it was like. It's interesting, but once yeah. you once you break through that and, you know, that their sense of community does run through their table a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like that biscuits in the morning with pancakes and bacon and apple butter. And yeah. I had a dear friend of mine that uh, I used to go to his house on the weekends and we would stay there on the weekends. It would be like three or four of us. And that's that town was smaller than yeah. what where I went to college. And but still, like the food was amazing That's awesome. I that like I. That was the first time I had a real biscuit, you know, mm. like when I had real barbecue, because for me in Ooh. Miami, barbecue is just like you're going to turn on the barbecue, you're going to grill stuff yeah. like over there. Barbecue is like, you know, brisket, you know, yeah, yeah, barbecue pork, like that whole thing. So it impacted me a lot. I learned a lot from that experience and I still carry a lot of that with me today. Mm. It's pretty. It was a tough four years for me. But it was something that I learned a lot from and I would never take it back. Do you think I'm taking over your podcast now? Go for it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> the, it's a dual podcast. The Lenya. <laughs> yeah. 
came out from like those experiences. Maybe. I mean, yeah, a little bit like inspire. Maybe I mm. like. Um, I I always love to adopt the idea of like, what connects you to your primordial past. Yeah. Norman has a great wow. quote that if I said it right now, I'd probably butcher it because I don't remember it. But, you know, like that style of cooking connects you to your past, whatever mm-hmm. your past may be. So it reminded me a lot of like, you know, my grandfather, the Cajachina, you know, it's not wood, but, you know, that whole like that environment, yeah. you know. And I think that's why I, I learned to love wood fire cooking so much. And that's why, you know, when, when we opened up Ariette, a big thing for me was like, we don't like I don't care about any fancy toys. We don't need any fancy toys. I need a saute station and I need a wood grill. I'll figure everything else out. And that's what we did. Yeah. You know, we still don't have many fancy toys. But, you know, like using that wood fire cooking, it really like there's something about it that really connects you to whether it be your childhood or your past or something that you encountered that had an impact. I would say that it had a lot. I'll that culture of like Brunswick stew. Like there was a guy. There was this gas station that everyone would go to because it was like the only gas station in town. Oh, wow. And across from it every Saturday, this guy would sell like quart containers of Brunswick stew. Ooh. And I had no idea what Brunswick stew was. And I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get this. And I got it and it like changed my life. I don't know what was in it. What is in it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know like what he caught and put in that Brunswick stew. But <laughs> man, so it was good. delicious. You know, and, like those kind of things. You know, you see some here, but not as not as much as you saw there for sure. That's good. So, so what else? Miami. Miami. Three what years. What about my three? Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half years. Yeah. How much do you think the the food landscape in Miami has changed in three and a half years? I think a lot. You know, I think like uh, I've seen it like growing so much, you know, like I think like the culture. I think my I don't know if it's like. We're getting it. <laughs> like a lot, a lot of people are getting it. I think we as the consumers might be getting it, you sure. know, like finally type of thing. But I remember Makes when sense. I moved, I mean, like, again, you know, I lived in other places. Food is another thing that is my passion. I, I mean, I'm just going to support anything that is is done with passion and craft and whatever. So food is one, you know, I need to eat. And um, but I think from the moment I moved, which I got a lot of disappointments from like a lot of places. I was disappointed by a lot. Yeah. But I didn't get Miami yet, you know? So it really took some time for me to like really understand like Miami food scene. Yeah. Um, but I think it's getting there. I mean, there's some great spots like opening up, you know, like some, I mean, right now things are looking a little different. Um, yeah. But... I think it's getting a lot of attraction, too. Yeah. Right? I, think, I mean, a lot of people's eye adding Miami. Yeah. Yeah, Miami chefs. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think I think we've, all, we've right? all grown to, like, a really great place. I feel like um, the... You guys open Yeah. Just, just, get, just get Todd. Yeah, yeah, get Todd. I think, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about Miami... And I think what infuriates me the most about my own city is that we allow the smoke and mirrors to kind of take the forefront of our city, you know, when there really is so much substance here. And there's so many people that care about craft and so many people that work very hard. And so many ingredients that Uh, grow in this place. That's a whole other subject. Right? Yeah, that's like a whole other thing. But it's like, you know, we and a lot of it is, I think. Our own city's doing, when I say city, it's like the people who run 
kind of like how to promote the city, mm. how they promote it to the country and to the world. You know, they yeah. always talk about South Beach and they talk about Ocean mm. Drive and they talk about this. Yeah. I mean, that's not real Miami. That's not my Miami. And that's not the Miami I think people should talk about. And I think that's why when you got here, you probably were disappointed a good amount. Well, back up to that, it's like I visited Miami three times before I moved. Oh, yeah. And my first, like, two experiences weren't the greatest. Yeah. Because of the same things that you were mentioned. I was like, wait, no, this place is definitely not for me. So, but it happened on my third visit when I started really exploring my, like, the deep, deep, like, Miami. And I was like, I'm not going to go to those places that most people tell me to go. I'm going to go wherever a local is telling me to go. Exactly. You know? And that's where they change it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that's good. I mean, a lot of people, I think they fall victim to that. Yeah. You know, like the ocean drive move mm-hmm. and the it's kind of like when you go to new orleans and you go to bourbon street yeah. you know, bourbon street is not new orleans you know that's what everyone tells you new orleans new orleans is but it's not mm. i mean new orleans is it's so much, so much yeah. deeper than that i don't i think all the visits that i've ever been to new orleans i've only walked bourbon street once and I, new orleans is one of my favorite places to visit same. you know mm-hmm. and it's because bourbon street is not that it's not you know and it's the same thing here ocean drive is not miami you know the iguana walking on a roof. That's that's, that's so Miami. That is very we Miami. got a cafetera, a yeah, cigar, we got an iguana. We got an iguana on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> we got everything Nick, happening. Nick is taking today. tables right now. Like um, shit's getting out of control. Uh, yeah, it's out of control. Um, <laughs> I think we've seen a lot of growth. The last year has been tough. The last eight months have been very trying for yeah, all of us. Absolutely. How have you dealt with the last eight months? Ooh. That was rough. I mean, like, I think it's been tough for, like, everyone, you know? Like, I really want to meet somebody. So, like, no, it's been great, right? Um, Jeff Bezos. I was like, where are those? (laughs) Um, But I think it's hard. I think mainly for me was, like, it took a big toll because I'm a people person. I need to be around people. I need to talk. I mean, my job is about people, you know? Like, I talk to them. I train them. I educate. Yeah. You know, talking a lot. Yeah. Um, You and me both. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So when this happened, I remember it happened like the first two weeks, like early, like, you know, like weeks of March. And like when we start like shutting down, like all our operations in every region, you know, I was like, for me, it was like, OK, I can still do my job, but it's just going to be very different. Yeah. So what is that translated to a lot of like Zoom calls? I didn't know what Zoom was Yeah. until this year. What is know, it now? Happened. What's it called? Zoom? Like Zoom. Oh, Zoom. 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 We do a thing called the Zoom Zoom the Room Zoom, Zoom by Pancom Podcast. <laughs> yeah. The Zoom Zoom Room brought to you by Pancom Podcast. Yeah. It's good. The Zoom Zoom. We're uh, looking for anyone to sponsor the Zoom Zoom Room if Zoom, uh, Zoom. anyone's into I'll ads. I'll sponsor your Zoom Zoom. There it is. <laughs> Careful. Nick will be uh, giving you a follow-up email. Here are the prices. I love it. I love Nick. He's great. Yeah. He's uh, fine. Um, he's fine. He's fine. Wow. He'll do. Wow. But um, so I can still do it, but it's just going to be very different. You know, yeah. it's a lot of FaceTime. I was like, FaceTime? What is that? Yeah, you know, like, me too. it's weird. Yeah. So weird. And um, so that was okay. You know, I started working from home, and that was like, I was going insane, you yeah. know, because home for me is the place where I go, chill, yeah. relax, shoots are off. It's a mess. If I want it to be a mess, you know, like. Amen. 
I do that. Yeah. So working from home, yeah. it was rough. So the first two weeks, I was like, I, I, I don't even, I don't even remember those two weeks. So sure. then after that, I started figuring. I was like, you know what? Like, let's, let's, we gotta change some things out here. So I started like working a little bit more for the training center. So we have like more of like. James really doesn't go there, you know, so because mainly that's in the space where I probably get to work there the most. Yeah. Um, so we made that clear, you know, he was going to be wherever he needed to be right. with his dog. And then I'll <laughs> be at the training center half a day and then he can take over the other half. So that kind of helped yeah. a little bit just to like break that like COVID routine of working from home. And then after that, it was just like a lot of catching up with people, yeah. you know, and kind of grateful for that because it kind of gave me that time to really go through i was like all right well who is next yeah. who am i calling next who am i bugging next how so. have you felt uh this has impacted the coffee community oh i mean if it impacts you as yeah. one of our partners it impacts us for you sure. know so it definitely took like a big hit but i think what i wasn't even thinking about this until like few weeks ago but one of the major impacts that we don't really consider is like if we are impacted as a coffee roastery our partners our producing partners are getting impacted Farms, yeah. it's good what does that mean that would this mean the next year or by the end of this year the amount of coffee that we'll be purchasing from them will be less right you know so there's there's this big question marks right and like um so that's like a big one, you know, it's a big one because our commitment is to support not only our wholesales, but it's also to support our producing partners. Yeah. But if there's no like money coming in, right? <laughs> how are we going to do this? Well, so definitely big. Yeah, it, I've seen I've seen it. You know, we see it. And we're going to continue to see the mm. impact every day. Yeah. You know, like I've seen some incredible restaurants in the last 72 hours decide mm. that they were going to close. Yeah. A lot of them on the West Coast. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, like just a perspective of like something like coffee. You know, you guys have been great because you guys have supported Chugs all through like all the shifts and the changes. And like, you know, we... Are we gonna? What are we gonna do? Or are we gonna? I'm sell ready. This I'm ready gonna... to move in. Like yeah. I'm ready to. I already talked to. Guess I was like, okay, what are we moving? Yeah. Where are we moving? Yeah. What do I need to pack? <laughs> yeah. So, it was like I remember when the, like first everything first happened and like we're like, oh, we're gonna turn turn Chugs into like a, a supermarket. And we mm -hmm. did for I don't know, two months or so. You know, we sold some coffee. We the bagged chicken. Oh, yeah. Which chicken? <laughs> You were selling chicken. Oh, we were. That's right. We yeah. sold meats. We sold you everything. Meat. You said, come yeah, on. Yeah, we did. We I sold steaks. I will come on my Saturdays. Yeah. You know, I got my pastelitos. <laughs> yeah. Do some like drop off to some friends. Grab some groceries. It That's was great. Right. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was great. But you know, you know, the day that I I saw it change is the day that I saw toilet paper in a regular supermarket, and I was like, all right, shit's different now. People started <laughs> going back to the regular supermarket, started getting their toilet paper with all their other stuff, and. Oh. I saw a change, but, you know, we were selling counterculture by smaller bags because mm -hmm. we were getting big bags and mm -hmm. people were buying it. And it was like <clears throat> same thing with uh, Jojo with tea. tea. We were selling yeah. the boxes of Jojo tea as well and really just doing whatever we can to continue, like, buying products, selling product, yeah. trying to keep, like, the economy somewhat going for yeah. our people, you know, like yeah. coffee roasters and whatever it may be. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it's been it's a crazy, crazy. It's been a crazy, crazy time. It's been a crazy time. Like... 
the same Ooh. goes for us is like we always i mean we always going to do right with our partners and try to do the best to support us but like it was hard not to be able to do a lot yeah you know for <laughs> the situation so that was like for me that was heartbreaking like yeah. especially you know and i was like how like my my hands are tied on this one you know it's like we're all just hoping for the best but also trying to do our best you know and i think one of the things that admire me the most during this season is like just like how people really came through like community and yes. like people really supporting you know like local businesses and things yep. like that and that was like wow like mind blowing it was amazing yeah it's in the hard times where people see you true know? colors true colors yeah, yeah. true colors i mean yeah. i'm i'm a big i think the way that this community has come together has been inspiring mm. and it's been like incredible from both people that are in the industry as well people that just support the industry yeah. from the outside you know it's been incredible to see i think when we do get through this whenever that is because it's we still have a ways to go um we're going to be stronger on the other yeah. side for sure a thousand percent so yeah. i think we started to do wind down stuff now yeah yeah we're going to wind it down we're going to do all the things nick this is where you take the show and you start to wind wind all the things down You've been listening to Fang <laughs> Kong Podcast. Uh, no, so so we always wrap up the show with two things. The one, the first one, is our parting recommendation. So each person will recommend really anything at all. It could be a movie you saw, a book you read, a meal you had, whatever. And then after that, we'll do our shameless plugs where you promote all the counterculture, coffee club, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we want people to go see your coffee club thing. So let's yeah, you come to see them. Yeah. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> but let's start with those parting recommendations. Yeah. Um, Mike, you got anything? No, nah, you guys take it first. You know me. I always, I'll, I got to think about it. All right. So I, I'm not oh. sure whether I've ever recommended this before on the podcast, oh, but cool. uh, I'm going to recommend that people, if you are a fight fan and you also like watching very strange things, uh, I recommend a YouTube channel called Street Beefs. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Bonsai! <laughs> no, no, that's different. That's Crime Faces. Oh, Crime Faces. You're Street, right, right. Street Beefs is the backyard fights in Virginia. So it's kind of like the Kimbo Slice stuff in Miami, but uh, more like hillbilly type stuff. Although they've gotten to be kind of a big deal, and people will actually travel to Virginia to be in these fights. There's a guy in Miami, uh, or from Miami, who has gone multiple times. I've told Mike that... Uh, I will personally, I will pay his airfare to Virginia if he agrees to go and box on street beefs and shouts out Pancom Podcast. Uh, I like this idea. I, I think this is this is where your boxing career should go is to street beefs. My boxing career Ooh. is non-existent. Well, until uh, you're on street beefs. I don't know. No, it's not I, existent. I, I, part, I spar six rounds and get my ass kicked every time. So until not, you're on street beefs. I see you. I <laughs> yeah. see you in those IG stories. You, 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 have to, you have to practice your street beefs intro. So it always starts with a quick shot of each fighter. And they Ooh. say something very brief like, hey, yo, this is Chug. I'm here to do some work. That's all I got to say. I like <laughs> it. Is that your fighter name? You're actually going to... Go with Chug. You gotta uh, go. Well, son, you can do whatever like you want. That. The Chuginator. Yeah. Yeah. Chug yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Raging at Pumida. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'll be recommending. A Chug is Pumida. Oh. Hey, what's up? This is the Raging at Pumida, representing oh, 305, man. Miami, You're Florida. Here to do some work. You're the worst. So, anyway, all right. So, Sandra, do you have any recommendations? Really could be anything at all. Ooh, recommendations. 
Uh, oh, I gotta think about this one too. Yeah, you know. I mean, like. Think about it. I got one. Okay. Got one. Hit, sure, hit sure. We're into recommending movies that we've never watched. Oh, I am. But if you want to get in on that, I'm, I'm getting all in about on it. it. I saw a trailer for a movie called "The Man Who Killed Hitler" and then Bigfoot. <laughs> oh yeah. The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Bigfoot is a 2018 American adventure drama film, blah, 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 starring Sam Elliott, and it's literally about that. That sounds like it's right up my alley. I think, <laughs> you want me to, I can't, it's just That's so, it's so... set in 1987, this guy killed Hitler, and then he's going after Bigfoot, it's like, it is exactly what it's supposed to be. I mean, it seems that if you killed Hitler, I mean, you should be able to kill Bigfoot. Right. Right. That's who we should be tapping so into that job. So I, I saw that trailer. I'm definitely going to watch that uh, sometime soon. Excellent. I also recently just watched, again, Top Gun, and I still recommend that. And I just great. watched Jurassic Park again, the mm. first one, and it is still fantastic. Life finds oh. a way. You know, those are my recommendations. I also recommend Counterculture Coffee. It's wonderful <laughs> coffee. I heard that they have a show on NPR called Coffee Talk. Coffee Club. Coffee Club. NPR Coffee Club. Oh, NPR Coffee Club. This how is many, why I'm really... How many, how many more times we're too listen, much coffee? You're I've been doing off. this for 50 You're episodes and I still don't have it under wraps. So imagine. <laughs> we only did one. It's like, gotta give me 49 episodes as a warm-up. Yeah, definitely recommend the NPR Coffee Club subscription. Yeah. yeah, the subscription oh. is key. Yeah. Just like the Patreon... Right? Don't we have a Patreon? That's right. Patreon.com. Well, let's, let's, Sandra, do you have any recommendations? <laughs> I, non, non, movies, uh, pro- okay, not yeah, coffee yeah. related. Um, I mean, Christmas season, I know it's far away, but it also seems very close. But I actually just saw on Netflix that Elf oh. is available to watch. Oh, boom. Never boom. a bad time. Elf Game changer. Christmas time. Game changer. Not Christmas time. Great. I mean, I'm a big fan of Elf and like Christmas movies. So. I like it. I like your style. Elf in August. I'm all about it. Right? I think the whole year we should just watch Christmas movies because this year is so Why not? Yeah. yeah. And I'm also, time is meaningless now. That's true. There you go. I don't know. I think today's what? Tuesday? Who knows? I'm not sure. Is today Tuesday? Actually, no. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yeah. Look at that. I think That's it might I mean. be Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, and now we'll move on to our shameless plugs. We'll let you go first. Plugs. So, all the counterculture, coffee club, tell everybody where they can find all the stuff Ooh. and plug away. Yeah, plug on, away. Yeah. Plug away. All right, so um, obviously I'm grateful that you showed me how to make cafecito with espumita. I love but a um, few months ago, Kind of Culture Coffee teamed up with NPR, and they actually came up with this thing called the NPR Coffee Club. It's a coffee subscription, you know, and it's amazing. So why don't you check it out? We're coming out actually with some great content, NPR Kind of Culture type of thing. Uh, but it's going to be really great. So we're very excited about that. And you will be in it. I'm going to be in that. That's right. going to be in it. I'm going to be in Your that. face is going to be in, in one of those stories. Perfect. It's great. I love it. Oh, all about it. Mike, shameless plugs? Uh, yeah, all the things. Uh, Pig Inc., Ariette Miami, Chug's Diner. We're going to be open tentatively for another four weeks. Um, just can I – I want to talk about – so we're open still. Right, Mm because Nick tried to call me out and said that I was conning everyone, which I was not conning anybody. We ran into an issue that our building had with the city that they have not rectified yet, and that is stopping us starting our construction. So I had two choices, which is either to just close and not start construction or just stay open and wait till they're done so we can start our construction. That was really 
what it came down to, um, it's it, it has been amazing to see the amount of love that people have for yeah. that place. That little window, 450 square feet space that materialized out of nowhere. Um, and that's been very cool. Um, is, is there a, a date in case people hear this? We don't. We don't have a date okay. yet. Roughly We're, three to four weeks from now. Yeah, three to four weeks may end up being five. Okay. I, I was on a long phone call today that I got nothing accomplished trying to figure that out. Cool. So, oh, three um, to four weeks of more pastelitos, more pastelitos and But and, just so everyone mm-hmm. is aware, after we close, we are going to do a pop-up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday out of Taurus. Love it. In the morning, from 7 in the morning to uh, 3 o'clock in is the this afternoon. Is pu- this Pumita going to be there? Of course. Great. Of course, yes, Pumita travels well. Good stuff. <laughs> it does. Nick, uh, plug all the things. And now all of our things. You can find Pang Kong Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That's uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, oh, and yep. other things that I haven't even heard of. Spotify. We're Spotify, also on Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're, we're even on though Joe Rogan took all our Spotify money. Joe Rogan took our Spotify money. We're coming for you. In fact, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call him out for you. Joe Rogan. Uh, go meet Chug in Virginia for street beefs. Whenever. Um, and uh, finally, you can uh, follow us on all the social media things so at Pang Kong Podcast and uh, support what we're doing at Dadmag. Sorry, Patreon.com slash Dadmag. That's one way, another way to support what we're doing. Uh, and actually, it's, it really just helps us cover the cost. If you would like a Pang Kong Podcast, Magnet. Magnets. For Ooh, we have magnets now. One dollar. Yeah. Datamag.com slash shop. You can oh. get magnets. One dollar. For a dollar. Nick is really selling himself short. I don't know. No, listen. I are. just want the people to have a magnet, and I want it to, you know, I just magnet. let's just cover the cost. Right. Magnet for you. A magnet. Listen, right. you can put it on your refrigerator. Love you can it. put it on computers you want to not work anymore. Right. Uh, you know, all sorts of applications, but magnets. And we will have other merch coming soon, hopefully, maybe. Uh, but yeah, do all that stuff. So with that, that's it. That's Great. it. We're done. That's it. We're done. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank this you has so been much. fantastic. After I, said, uh, I made it. Get out of here. I'm cool now. You know, right. it's amazing how you had to like. Uh, you told three other people to text me. So uh, because get people <laughs> to keep you accountable, right? Wasn't that's that? How it it goes. Wasn't that? It was. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. I know, but still but look, need people to keep you we accountable. Tur- we turned it out in three days. Great. I know. Yeah. Boom. Brilliant. Boom. Kind of like Chuck's style. Yeah. <laughs> so, follow him 75 days.